0: Code white white Code white white
1: we're back again one more time redundant as hell uh with assault precautions and i'm isaac and i have been a tech
0: since i don't know when did the ottoman empire fall as i think uh 431 ad just yeah ballpark go ahead and write me an email and tell me how wrong i am it's fine yeah
1: if we got any ottoman turk empire uh Specialists listening.
0: You know, there's a ton of those guys listening.
1: There's at least thirty <laughs> right now. They're tuning in. It's probably a good portion of our audience. Yeah, it's it's a really weird demographic, but you know, we're hitting them,
0: and that's all right with me. Um, my name is Jody. I'm a nurse, a registered nurse, and working specifically in the psych field. um Been doing it the whole time. I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't think I know how to do anything else. Yeah, you know, I had some. Some really sweet clinicals and really liked TR, ER and I was really drawn to that and was selected for a pretty cool program at one of the larger, probably the largest hospital here. And nice. Out of, I, they picked seven.
1: Oh, wow. Seven. You know what else I've done? I, I can drive a forklift. <laughs> a forklift. Uh-huh. And, and fun fact about Isaac, I used to be an electrician. Electrician? I was an electrician apprentice uh,
0: for a few years down in South Texas. okay so i was a uh i was a photoshop artist for 20 years can you make me look cooler i can make you look at least cool Uh, well that's saying a lot for me then (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like life i could walk up on any image that any artist spent 20 hours working and go you know a little more red or "Mm, i could fix that yeah what are you going to say when you go into the sistine chapel Oh, you know, I probably would have changed the hue on that one flesh tone like, a little bit. Yeah. We could probably pump that up. We need some more angel
1: penises. <laughs> <laughs> Can there be more angel penises yeah, in the Sistine Champion? I'm not oh, saying no. that there's none. I'm just saying there's not enough. There's not enough. Yeah. So we're we're picking up where we left off uh, last week, talking about schizophrenia and uh, and psychosis and the the symptoms uh, thereof. And we we touched on a lot of the the. You know biomechanics of it but uh we as we were talking we kind of just uh came up with more ideas and we decided to stretch this into two chunks and uh like last week uh jody doesn't know what i researched and uh vice versa so we're just kind of have a fun discussion with it but um uh this week i what i what i didn't get to touch on that much last week was uh one of the symptoms of psychosis and schizophrenia that uh i i'm particularly interested in is um the the speech disorders and and the speech abnormalities uh uh, in communication when it comes to uh schizophrenia and psychosis and stuff like that um what uh, we loosely call it in the field is word salad word salad yeah
0: it's crispy it's got croutons little salmon yeah, and there was several things last week, I think. You know, we ran really long last week, and we get into this whole topic, and it's it's so huge. I mean, I don't know how many hours we could really sit if we wanted to outline this and go through how many episodes we could do on schizophrenia. It's certainly something that we're going to be uh, revisiting from time to time, and I think a lot of topics are going to overrun into that particular condition. But let me ask you this, Isaac. You have 100 people in the room. Mm-hmm. So you have a thousand people in the room. I like it. Better sample size. Better sample. How many people of those people are, what percentage of those people would you imagine have schizophrenia? How active, ma- active, treatable. How, how many of them are twins? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> okay. So. It had to be an odd number there. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. God, you threw me off. So I got a room of a thousand people. Uh, how many of them are actively schizophrenic? Actively with schizophrenic. A, with, a, with a diagnosis? With a diagnosis. Out of a thousand forty
0: it's not that bad. it's ten it's one it percent it's one oh, percent okay. see, I'm cynical. so how much do you think we spend on one percent just just nationally not talking about worldwide? So. Oh God, I wouldn't even fifty bucks. fifty dollars is a little short a little bit feels short when I say it it yeah. So if we look at overall health costs, and, you know, every, everyone can analyze this, and we can look at people that are hospitalized and whether or not they... And this eat. is this is in the United States because it's way different. Yeah, ju- no, just okay, in the United not, we're States. We're not talking
1: about Sweden. Twenty,
0: talking, yeah. Yeah, $23 billion of oh, health care costs are associated specifically to schizoaffective disorder
1: and you know 23 billion dollars is about a month and a half of depakote for one person <laughs> <laughs> some of these medications are expensive oh my it's god ridiculous. they really yeah. are
0: that's a staggering amount it really is if you look at it, and we're just talking about one condition we're not talking about cancer or you know uh, heart conditions or you know Respiratory things that the hospital wards are just full yeah. of. We're talking about something that I don't know. A lot of people maybe even don't even know anyone with schizophrenia. Yeah, wow. And that's common. You know, a lot of people and patients go unidentified and untreated. But when we identify one percent of the population as being schizoaffective and across the spectrum somewhere, we're talking about twenty-three billion U.S. dollars being used to treat this condition. I mean, I'm happy
1: with anything over zero because these guys are in trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, could we could spend five, ten, twenty times that, you know, easily, and still basically not scratch the surface. Yeah, it's it's difficult, you yeah. know, and a lot of these medications and a lot of these treatments are really only geared towards the positive symptomology, you know, the right. the paranoid schizophrenia, the uh, internal stimuli type stuff, where we can really have some medications that get in that begin to alter those symptoms, Yeah, but not the long-term cognitive or disassociative conditions that we see. Yeah, say.
1: or like the negative symptoms, like you got negative schizophrenic
0: symptoms, here's some sertraline, it's the yeah. best I can do. I, I mean, how do you even begin to approach the lost ability of a person to, to earn... And you multiply that across 1% of the population of somebody that, even if they're working, even if they're functional, are not reaching their potential. Right. You know, it's just difficult.
1: Wow. That really puts it in perspective. Yeah. So So the
0: number is... We we can always do more. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we could make up whatever number we want. It would be a staggering amount. And it's all just bathed, really, in this... um, sense of just loss for individuals and families and you know you could look at per capita or gdp or however you wanted to figure that out of healthcare costs across Mm -hmm. the country and i don't think really any number that you put on that does it justice because it's just it's really because it ruins it ruins everything it for for not only the person that suffers Mm. or you know, parents and brothers and and family members and children and all of those people that are involved, which makes me think of that number fifty-one from last week.
1: Fifty-one percent of people with a diagnosis of schizophrenia have attempted suicide. You know why? Because
0: it's probably a lot easier to be dead. It's just, it's or at an, least it seems that way. Y- you know, we're not even talking about necessarily the positive symptoms, which I can only imagine how difficult it must be. And you know, uh, who's the CNN guy? Uh, the real smarmy guy. You know you know what I'm talking about. Is he the medical advisor? No, 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 no. Just the guy that always says the news on there. Wolf Blitzer, Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Anderson Cooper. There you go. Anderson Cooper actually ran a, a special episode on schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And he uh, basically put on some headphones, little earbuds, mm-hmm. and for an entire day had people talking into these earphones and super negative symptoms, you know, super uh, invasive command type hallucinations accusatory and tearing him down menacing
1: I would have loved to have talked shit to Anderson Cooper for 24 hours oh my god yeah I watch
0: (laughs) (laughs) especially Anderson Cooper especially (laughs) him he's just so charismatic I I hate him he is he's so pretty (laughs) but to watch him for an hour of just doing basic shit like trying to write a check Oh, my God. And, and they gave him a sheet of just, like, simple fourth Write grade. Write a check. Yeah. So simple. this was done in 1992. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they gave him, like, a, a, a full page of, like, fourth grade math equations. Oh, my God. And he's How sitting do do? there, and he's struggling to get it done. Yeah. He's just struggling. I mean, and Anderson Cooper's not dumb. He's, like, super smart. Yeah, he really is. And it just showed him go through the course of the day, just even interacting in public, walking in parks. and. You know, at the supermarket, you know, trying to do shopping and and write a check at the end of where he's, you know, trying to pay for his items. And he's having difficulty. And this is Anderson Cooper. Yeah. You know, I used to watch him every year on New Year's. Him and
1: Kathy Griffin just drink. (laughs) So I can imagine how much harder it would have been to listen to 10 Kathy Griffins in your headset. Yeah. And try and go on with your daily life.
0: I can't imagine. Yeah. But to watch him, someone that's really... Full functioning, step into a symptom set that's super disturbing, and to try to function just at a—we're talking like an elementary level, just basic shit that you do yeah during the day. It was it was really eye-opening. Now it makes me
1: curious on what kind of things Anderson Cooper does during the day. I bet there's a lot to do with kale. <laughs> you
0: think it's kale? There's probably a lot of kale business going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, there's a lot of green smoothies. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's they're probably gross. So much. Yeah.
1: But, uh, you know, going back to uh, what I was saying about uh, one of my, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it, maybe it's insensitive. My favorite symptom of psychosis and schizophrenia has to be the the speech business going on, the the distortions in the way that they communicate, Uh, word salad being one of them. Uh, you know, we call it loosely word salad. And you guys out there, you know what I'm talking about when you have that patient that is just babbling out loud, all kinds of stuff. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, sometimes it's uh, humorous almost to us because it's so out of reality. Uh, but it's it's a super pervasive thing with these guys. And uh, once I started to crack open the research, um, outside of my own experiences, the... There's like several subcategories to it, and they've kind of divided it up. So one of the things that you see with these guys is something called clang associations. Yes. You ever heard of that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like it follows a rhyming pattern. Like they don't really have anything to do with each other. They just rhyme. So imagine the worst systematic, sympathetic, quite pathetic, apologetic, paramedic. My heart is prosthetic.
0: Perfect yeah that is perfect feels good to say it do you remember the guy we had and it was god like eight or nine months ago and he would sit over by the window he would sit and it was almost like a rap he would do you remember this guy mm-hmm. And it was just he would go on for 10-15 minutes just not loud but yeah, just, verbal yeah. and just go on and on and in a rhythm in mm-hmm. a rhythmic yeah. pattern and we were like snapping our fingers there's like yeah you could you could get a metronome you really and line have. it up. That was perfect,
1: and that that was probably a piece of the clang association business going on because it's like the words don't really have a logical reason to be grouped together that way, but they create a catchy, quote clangy sort of rhythm to it. It's, it's almost it's music. rhythmic. Yeah. It's like
0: watching those videos on YouTube that you would that are just satisfying. Yeah. You know, you're like, I have no idea, but like the completion of something that you're seeing on YouTube is like, those are satisfying videos. You know, and me as a musician, sometimes when
1: you, you get the patient with the clang Associations, it's super satisfying because it's like, you know what? He's switching from the E minor to the A minor. Perfect. And it's, it's great. It's perfect. And never dropped out 120 BPM. <laughs> right. It was good. He stayed in there.
0: But, you know, those guys are feeling... Some sense of calm and some sense of satisfaction out of being able to find that pattern and that rhythm and repeat it over and over and over. Yeah,
1: because I bet it makes you feel like you're in control. It does. You know, does. I've never been in that situation where I'm having clang associations. Thank God. But well, the night is young; it could be by the end of the day. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I can only imagine that it's like it's probably empowering. Where if you can just
0: take control of it and make a rhythm out of it. At least you're managing your symptoms somehow. Yeah. To them, it really is. I think a part of management of the overall symptom.
1: So another one of these features of the, of the speech business, which is the term I'll keep coming back to speech business, the business, the business is something that we call tangentiality. Explain. So tangentiality is um, you're, you're a person and you're speaking and you're trying to communicate an idea, but your thought process can't stay on that idea. You just keep wandering around in the construction of your language where you're, you feel as though you're communicating something, but you're not staying on topic in terms of linguistically. You're not staying on topic. How, Jody, how do you feel today? I feel sunny yellow. There you go. Ask me how I feel. How are you feeling today? Well, okay in myself, uh, what with the prices of shops being what they are and my house being around the corner. And I, I keep a watch for the arbiters most of the time since it is just around the corner. Otherwise, I'm fine.
0: Sweet. That is perfect.
1: I mean, I got my idea across to you. I told you I was okay. I told you I was having a good day. So, you know, you're, I've answered the question, but it, I took a really long way around to get there. Because it's, I can't, yeah. I, it's, it's tangential in its nature. You, you, you know, your language is trying to say, oh, I'm fine. But you had to go a really long way. There's a lot of paths that you had to follow that deviate. They ultimately get you there.
0: Yeah. And I mean, certainly we've seen that where we ask simple questions like, how are you feeling today? And we end up with the grits were too salty for breakfast. They were. I had them. They're not good. Yeah, but I mean we're talking about a twenty second diatribe that faded from the original question into several subjects all fit within twenty seconds and at the end they sometimes and I've seen this they even realize I'm way off track here. You yeah. so know come back and touch the original subject. Yeah. It's it's
1: kinda of like one of those features that you see with kids with ADHD, but it's it gets f- Further out there in thought, because most of the time, kids with ADHD aren't also psychotic. Right. You know, they're they're able to. No, I shouldn't be talking about the grits.
0: And it's a, dis- a, a quite a different feature set, I think, from people that can at least identify and begin to have some cognitive reasoning reasoning about what you're asking and how they want to reply, versus those that can't really even grasp the concept of. Why you're even talking to them, right? And they'll come across with some completely different tangent of a conversation, and they'll try to take you there. And even with the redirection, it's difficult to get them back.
1: Yeah, because you know it's difficult for them to get themselves back. You know, right. they just they just go where the wind blows. Yeah. So another uh, another feature is it as the uh, speech as the business the, the speech business, business gets right. a little bit uh, more severe with these guys. We have something called uh, neologs. Tell me. So a neolog would be creating new words altogether. I'm an example. Um, I got so angry that I threw a dish at the gashinker and sort of balklied the whole thing up.
0: Yep, I can identify.
1: Yeah, so you get what I'm saying, but a couple of those words, they're not <laughs> words. Yeah. So you like you're you're very loosely associated with the English language to the point where you're just kind of throwing sounds and words together to, to try and describe your idea. Like, you're you're further disconnected uh, from your tangentiality and your clang associations. You're further disconnected from the ability to communicate in your psychosis and your and your schizophrenia symptoms that
0: words start to lose meaning, so you've got to make new ones up. Right, but we still understand mechanically how to maybe um, modify a verb. Right. You know what I'm saying? We still understand how to phrase things and how it might sound were it an actual word Mm -hmm. but the association of the actual construct of the language is impaired yeah you know uh, even though it's not a word you know
1: exactly what i'm talking about like man i really i really balked the whole thing up didn't didn't i completely you, it. you sure did <laughs> you, you New York jets the whole thing Ooh. you balcleed it so I't I'm a Josh Allen fan so careful well, hey listen I think uh. that they're gonna be the first team to lose to a bye week <laughs> 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 a really those four guys <laughs> uh, and and with neologs um uh, neologism there'd be a there'd be a balkley for you. Uh, you can use common words like in a in a bizarre or, or idiosyncratic manner uh, where you are you can't quite pick out the word that you're trying to come up with, so you use other words to represent it. All right. It's a little less abstract than Bulkley and Gashinker, but uh, uh, I can't think of the word um, for this device right here in my hand. It clicks. It writes things. Uh, uh, it's a paper skate.
0: Paper skate.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. It could have said ballpoint pen, but I couldn't quite get there because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my head. I've got a lot of symptoms. There's a lot of gray matter stuff going on. There's a lot of chemicals. So this little guy in my hand is a paper skate. And, the, and there's this thing that's wrapped around my wrist, and it's got two hands on it, and the number's uh, uh, 12, and 1, and 2. And that's a, uh, it's a time vessel.
0: It isn't, though. Well, not to you. Not to me. I don't get it. Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's a watch. But it's actually my time vessel. You know what I mean? Because you, you couldn't come up with the, what is it? It's, it's something to do with time and traveling and
0: time vessel. That's what I think is really interesting about that is they can still make associations for what the purpose of objects are. And even in language, they can identify how to modify verbs and how, you know, where the noun goes. And they can speak, but a lot of times they're not coming across Really identifying exactly the things that they're right they're they're meaning to say, but they're still using they're trying to get there, yeah, things in place that you know okay, they're doing I, the best I, they can. I know what you're saying, yeah i it's you know
1: yeah, I'm sorry, you can't have a paper skate, we just use crayons on this unit exactly ever since the paper skate incident since the incident yeah since the incident. And then, you know, I've noticed as I flip my paper over, as I continue to look at my notes, uh, I was taking these notes while I was at work and I also have someone's blood pressure written down here. Tell me what it was. One seventeen over 75. It's not bad. I'm not worried about him. No, not at all. I'm not calling the cops over that. No. No. <laughs> no. One seventeen over 75 at 1904 PM. They he, can even still have their ender all Yeah. No, yeah. he's fine. He can go on to bed. I'm yep. not worried about him. Absolutely. And apparently if I wrote it down, that means it was a recheck. So I guess it was weird earlier. Maybe it was weirder. Maybe we got him up to 117 over 75. Or maybe you got him down from like 210 over one Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> I'm calling the cops then. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to our most severe form of the speech business. All right the word salad itself we have finally we you know we finished we finished our jalapeno pompers they're bringing us the word salad there now. it is sure. the, the croutons and the and the, the pimento cheese it's really weird all right so uh it's almost no discernible meaning but it's got repetitive themes like the clang association stuff going on yeah uh, life in the hospital is superb, really. The trains broke and the pond fell in front of the doorway and they're destroying too many cattle and oil just to make soap. And if we need soap, when you can just go to a pool of water and when you go buy gasoline, my folks always thought that you should get soda instead of gasoline. And the best thing to do is just get oil and money. May as well go there and trade in a lake. With bears. Yeah. With bears. With bears. And, you know, it sounds like nonsense, but if I were to read that back to you again, what are some running themes? Bodies of water. Yeah. Lakes, ponds, stuff like that. And then uh, oil and gasoline products.
0: And you can still see there's an association of the family. So you can infer that there was probably a positive dynamic that was happening there that he's associating, even really in his deep, sit extremely loosely. Yeah.
1: It's but, loose. But, you know, it's still you. present. He didn't say anything bad about him. He no. actually said that they were giving him good advice about buying soda. Right. It's positive. Yeah. But, uh, uh you know, sometimes you, you hear these guys in, and a thing that I like to do is I like to listen to them for a while and try and pick up these themes. Cause you know, it, it you know, Jody said it to me one time on the unit. I was like, go listen to this guy's word salad. It's particularly crispy. And he comes back down the hallway and his jaded ass goes, You know, it's not that bad. I hear the same theme repeating like every fifteen sentences, so it's not he's not even at an outer space yet.
0: Well, you know, mm-hmm. when you see that particular condition and you have a patient that's really experiencing words how they are really and it's almost subconscious ideas that they're putting out there that are just pouring forth in it their just verbiage. Flows. But you can tell a lot about them. Yeah. By the things and the elements and the things that they're including in that speech. You know, you can see almost the things that they're afraid of, the things that they value, the things that, um, I guess, emotionally are, they're very positive and relevant to them. Mm -hmm. So even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, once you spend a a bit of time with these people, you know, second, third, fourth day, you don't necessarily still understand what they're saying in the moment, Mm -hmm. but as a pattern, you can understand some history and what they value. One of my
1: favorite things to do is to, Strike up a conversation with somebody who's speaking in complete word salad because they feel included and, yes. and they're interacted with, and you know they may think that they're speaking to you clearly, even though I have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> it's all over the place, but you yeah. know it's one of my favorite things is like you know we tend to walk off from them and whatever and leave them there in the day room, but you know and that's they the, want to
0: talk too. That's the thing with those patients is that they have such a history of because of that condition people do walk away yeah and, and they because really you just almost mentally can't function having a two-minute conversation with them and that's been their experience mm-hmm. everywhere they've gone so that when you'll sit and actually engage and and just listen to what they have to say they were they just have so much
1: oh yeah. to put out and they, and they feel like it's almost every time that I do it, sometimes they'll get a little bit more agitated, but almost every time I'll sit there and I'll, I'll listen to them and I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, that's what we tell ourselves, isn't it? You know,
0: it just... <laughs> just reinforce the conversation. Yeah, because yeah.
1: It, it makes them feel like hey, somebody... Somebody came and sat down and talked to me, even though I'm having a really hard time communicating with anybody, because apparently this is what's coming out of me. Right. But, you know, this guy sat and talked to me. Now, what what really gets tricky is when you have two people in the day room doing the word salad at the same time, and you sit in the chair between them, and you just slip into madness. It's hard to keep up with. It's tough. Yeah. yeah it starts to get overwhelming. You need to take a break. You need to go on a smoke break or something.
0: You ever notice that their time scale is off, too? like what seems like two minutes to you may feel like 20 to them
1: well uh, as a person who's versed in physics uh time is super relative so you flat s- is this the flat circle speech? Is it? we're back to the flat circle
0: flat speech circle. one more time <laughs> yeah i i've given jody the time as a flat circle speech but you know to them when you're sitting and listening to them as exhausted as you may feel and you know amidst that conversation that you're having and you're especially if it's fresh if it's fresh patient and you're still trying to put the concepts of what they're putting out there because generally it's thematic and you'll begin to see a repetition of pattern. And these guys aren't just fishing around everywhere. They have they have a certain core thing that they do.
1: It may be seven or eight lanes wide yeah, it may and they're drifting all over the place, but, you know, they still got a highway. But they
0: swerve back and forth and yeah. you'll see the same things come back up and, and oftentimes the same phrases even will be repeated because it's comfortable with them because they know how to execute it. And it's yeah. a way for them to convey their, their idea and to try to communicate. So when you get into it with them, even as, as swerving as it may be, they are talking and they are, they are revealing a lot about not only where they're at currently with where they've been. And I just, I love it. It's one of my favorites. It really is. Just that, uh,
1: the speech business, yeah. I love it to pieces. And it, and it's now that I work with children it's super rare. But uh, I got one the other day that came in and he was presenting word salad and I was like, Oh yay, how refreshing. I haven't got to do this in a long time and he's just talking about flavors and tricycles and, and but he's super pleasant. Yeah. He's great, but you know, I you know, I don't get to see it as much since I don't work with the adults and the largely homeless population. Now now that I'm with the with
0: the kiddos, it's it was a rare treat. So is that was by any chance of TBI or is it organic or what is it I want to see his UDS first then we'll talk about how old is he he's 17 oh okay yeah. yeah he's in that age group yeah so yeah, we'll, you never know we'll
1: see what that UDS that nine panel says and if it comes back clean see if we can talk to him about synthetics yeah and if we don't get anywhere with that then we're going to talk about adult onset you know
0: it's so interesting I think when you know especially if as we're sitting here talking about age you and I both have worked with adult acute and, and looked at a large portion of the homeless population because that, you know, to be honest, that's just what fills a lot of psych wards because these people filter down. it's like the filtration system and you lose and you lose and you lose. And all of a sudden you lost everything. You're out on the street and you're contacting law enforcement on a fairly regular basis. And they know who you are. And we live in a small town. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's regulars. I would say probably in our community, there's three or 400 of which I don't know. Maybe forty or fifty, or pretty regular, Mm. being able to make contact with the police, and we know, but that's no accident. Homelessness doesn't cause schizophrenia. Schizophrenia causes homelessness. It sure as hell does. And you know, together, yeah. I mean, together with a lot of different mental disorders, these are people that have started, that were, that have lost some level of function, that have. Um, been treated poorly by the, the healthcare system and maybe disconnected from their families or maybe they didn't really have a strong connection that continue to fail through these different things and it's not on purpose. It's not that they're they're not trying. They're just not functional. Yeah. And they sift all the way down to where they're now sitting out at the corner of some main street in your town and I know you guys know this. I know you've driven by this guy and maybe you've even given him a couple bucks
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you know is off that you know they're just not there they're not exactly they're not like your neighbors they're not like the people you work with yeah you know so we see those people in adult acute we see them pretty often when Mm. we see young people like that with these onsets of you know these symptoms of of hard mental illness or in salad disassociation you know, you're looking at much more of an organic cause. Maybe there's a tumor or a viral illness in the fetal environment. Something yeah. weird has happened. It's not by accident. It's not random. Something has happened. Yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of factors that go into that. Yeah. You know what I thought was really interesting on the schizophrenia? And so many different things come into play there. But you could have a virus as a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. And it may pass. You may not even really be that symptomatic you may feel bad for a few days and maybe you had a fever let's say you had a virus though your baby has now the potential to develop a a fairly significant mental illness as a result yep and you know we go back and look at those and we look at uh, in the history when we're doing HMPs and we're trying to figure out well what happened because there's no family history here and you go back if, if it's even available, which certainly the records are better than they were before. You know, I, it made me think of something that I need to sit down and talk to Jody
1: about, or we could do a whole thing on fetal environment. Oh, but yeah. I, I just want you to know, out of context, the note that I wrote down to remind myself to tell you about uh, fetal environment, I wrote down Dutch hunger winter babies. Oh, boy. You know what those are? Yes. You do? Okay. So, so, this is not even going to be on the air. We're just going to go sit outside with a beer and talk about Dutch hunger winter babies.
0: But, you know, that happened. That's happened in several places across the span of history as we've been recording. In Ireland had a, had a the spate of that. Spain had a spate of that. Yep. Um, the fetal environment is just, I mean, so many things are happening there. And I long for the day where we can really take a patient that has a full, detailed medical history. Of, I mean, we're talking like, I got it sniffles at three, what happened? And I have records of that and I have chemical uh, mm-hmm. histories of that and labs that I can look back on. Because I may be able to find something in 20 years that's relevant now to science that I'm beginning to show as an indication for a possible comorbidity later yeah. in life that I could see back that happened when they were three or four or five or whatever.
1: Or you get this you get this seven-year-old that is having panic attacks and you're like, why? And then you right. know, they've got a functional home. Uh, everything's non-abusive. It's fine at home. What is going on? Well, mom was getting abused during the uh, pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. And she was saturating the fetus and the fetal environment in glucocorticoids or cortisol. You know, and So they were just literally swimming
0: in stress hormones and meconium. And we are going to do. And you think schizophrenia has been part one and part two? Wait till we get into ACEs because... And I'm just going to touch on something that I, and I love Nadine Burke Harris so much. And I can't tell you how pivotal her entire research project is the, has been. Is that the TBRI lady? Yes. Yep. And, and let me just give you guys this quote. And I want you to think about it because in upcoming some point soon, we're going to be touching on ACES. And I love her quote of saying, you know, you have a fight or flight response, which is fantastic if you're in the woods and there's a bear. But what it's not so great is when you have the same fight or flight response wired into your brain and the bear comes home every day at 530. Ooh, that's heavy. Listen, to to understand where that's at and to not only understand what she's saying, but to put yourself, even for a moment, in the life of a 4 or 5 or 10-year-old, that is living in an environment like that where they are just bathed in corticosteroids from this huge stress response that happens every day whether they're the victim or their mother is the victim or they're just witnessing horrible things in their in their family dynamic it, dude it changes you it really it, does it has a on flat, the physical level on the physical level and we're not talking about little stuff we're talking about big stuff and again I don't even want to flirt with this topic right now because it's so huge. And when we begin to open it up, we're certainly going to get back to a lot of that uh, Burke-Harris research. But it's the fetal environment all the way up until things that we're seeing, that we're witnessing, that we're encountering. Mm-hmm. All through those developmental stages play in the development of these different mental illnesses that, that we're seeing in, in patients all across the board. Yeah. What Schizophrenia we, for sure.
1: wonder if we can get Harris on here. Probably not, though. She's so busy. She's going to come in and go, okay, you guys look like one of you works out too much, and the other one is pretty sure his hoodie's made out of hemp.
0: And I don't even know what this peanut butter beer that you're drinking is. I wouldn't touch that. Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, more for me. (laughs) Right. It's okay with me. Dude, she is so great. And if not for her, the, the whole concept of this would not have been forwarded on to people that...
1: She's uh, is if I'm not mistaken she's the tall skinny Jane Goodall looking one. A little bit. She started
0: at you know not to get too far off in aces, but she started a clinical a, a clinic that was given in the very center of San Francisco in a very run down low income urban uh, kind of side of skid row. The, the yeah really skid row and demographic showed why are people sicker in this sector of the city it doesn't make any sense because all around it it's not that way and right here is there some chemical dump or what's going on we're going to open a clinic here we want you to come and run it and she kept seeing over and over and over again people that were sick and not just kids but parents and teens and toddlers and for the very same reasons, developing way outside the statistical norm, comorbidities that we look at in hospitals and we treat, and certainly there are medications available and there's treatment regimens, and, and you know they can still have some normal sense of life. But why is it happening here? And she really narrowed it down to this environmental thing that was happening that was creating a chemical. Neuro storm for these children. Neuro there were, storm. Yeah, that were growing up, they were just encountering, I mean, across the board, all kinds of things, cancer, cardiac disease, Ooh. hypertension, it's, just, it's crazy. Yeah. And the research is just irrefutable.
1: I remember taking a TBRI course like two months ago and I definitely remember this whole, it was like a oh, 45 just, minute segment. She talked about this. But dude, when you
0: watch it, you're like, that makes so much yeah, sense. Really Why does. has no one figured this out before? Because
1: I think it was her or one of her proteges that, uh, that I heard say something, uh, in a training course at work and the continuing education that you required. Um, a few years ago, and this is a statement that really, really stuck with me. Uh, a child won't do well if
0: they wanna. A child will do well if they can. If they can. Boom. It, you know, it's, a, it's an environment that has to be fostered and throughout. And you can always look at people and go, well, I just came from a shit background and I just did so well because I was motivated to not be like my parents. Kudos. And motivation is worth a thousand pounds of could've would'ves. But... We see more positive outcomes in people that are supported, that have positive environments and a loving relationship and a positive family dynamic than we have with adversity over, you know, people that are just looking to show them, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to, I'm going to be better than my parents. Okay. We hear a ton of those stories, but overall, if you look at the averages, people that are reinforced, that are loved, that are given positive stimuli do better. Yeah, they do. They just do given that their fetal environment
1: doesn't prevent them from doing better you know
0: well again when we have those situations where we have positive reinforcement and love and positive family dynamics we don't have fetal alcohol syndrome yeah we just don't see it that very often yeah which is why
1: anybody that comes to me uh saying the argument nature versus nurture i immediately restrain them you are mad about that. I, I hate it.
0: I still think there's some, some crispiness in it's there. It's
1: nature and nurture. Hand it's and hand. both. It's both. But you can't say this is nature and this is nurture, and they're mutually exclusive. I will slap you in the mouth.
0: I don't want to fight you.
1: <laughs> it's, I will come at you like a tornado <laughs> of fingernails.
0: Right. But you could, I mean, I could, I don't want to, because I don't want you to hit me in the face. <laughs> But we could sit here and draw absolutes that were absolutely nature, and we could sit here and draw absolutes that were absolutely nurture, and we could show the differentiation, and then we could certainly draw some some lightnesses and bring situations to the front where both things were mutually involved and both things were mutually exclusive and mm. show cases where people were successful.
1: So segueing in, uh one of my other favorite things that I wanted to bring up that we didn't get a chance to do last week is catatonia boom the the good old fashioned and a lot of times it's easy to fix We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Because I, I like a good catatonia. I like a good EPS. Because you know what? It's a super quick victory. <laughs> Some of that EPS, though, mm. it's only tradable. It's not fixable. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it both ways. I've seen it that's really hard. I've seen it just like, oh, a little cogentin. And he took, takes a nap and comes back to the nurse's station and goes, sorry about that. Yeah, mm. but that's daily. And if I don't give him cogentin tomorrow, he looks like terrible. Yeah, he's bent into the shape of a he's... question mark. <laughs>
0: In the tongue, you know, it's just there's oh, this. Oh, God, car. and the, the toe curling business going on. There's it's business. It's like a slow motion seizure. Yeah. It's awful. It's still better than it was, though. It's still better than dealing with the alternative. So
1: in 1938, when they officially made this uh, a, a, a diagnosis, uh, it was called Tension Insanity. I love that. I think I'm going to start calling it that from now on. That's a good name for a band. Tension Insanity? Yeah. I feel like they would be from Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs>
0: maybe it's like a that's like a bay area band name yeah
1: and you know a lot of acid washed jeans yeah. and like flat bill hats yeah. suicidal tendencies t-shirts with the sleeves cut off
0: the flip the flip what are those hats where they flip the front up
1: yep that's the one yeah, that, the, yeah the the mic from uh suicidal Tendencies. yeah i'm gonna listen to tension insanity i'm gonna name my band that that's i'm i'm gonna join it <laughs> i have a bc rich warlock i'm in oh that would definitely fit So catatonia is like a, it's like a group of symptoms that involve like the lack of communication or the lack of movement, but sometimes can encompass like agitation, confusion, or restlessness. It's like, there's a few different, few different flavors of catatonia. You know, you get the, you get the Rocky Road and you get the mint chocolate chip and then you get the Merlot flavor. Uh, It's like, it's and this was really interesting somebody put it uh, it's like word salad and thought blocking for the body
0: the most relevant um, display of it that I saw was a girl that laid in bed and no calories no water eyes open stare would not respond you'd go in and no conversation no eye movement Whoa. wouldn't even focus on you in the room day two I go it's a Saturday morning the doctor comes in at about 8.30. I'm like, hey, man, I have this lady back here in the room, blah, blah, blah. Here's where she's at. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Out of in two milligrams I am right now. Let's do it. I did. I drew it. Went down in there. It's not going to be a hold when you administer the injection. I, no. much. Listen to this. So I explained to her, no eye movement. I was like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the medication. Here's what the doctors order. No movement, no response. I go over. I move her scrubs up, left deltoid. Boom, load her up. Dude, wasn't ten minutes. It wasn't ten and minutes. she's just chilling. Well, I'm not going to say that she's chilling, but within the next hour or so, she gets out of bed. Hey, walks down to the day room, asks for a graham cracker. Probably hungry. <laughs> she may have, dude. I don't. I don't remember exactly. I was so shocked because. Yeah, so as a new nurse, you look at doing that and you're like, so here's a lady that's laying in bed, hasn't moved for, I don't know, 40 hours, completely unresponsive, won't even focus on me when I come into the room, when I talk to her and I'm like, whoo, you yeah. know, snapping my fingers, n- not even movement, no eye movement, man. And the doctor tells you, no, Ativan right now, two milligrams. And for, I mean, everyone that associates Ativan, it's a benzodiazepine, it's a depressant, you're like, okay. And I'd heard about it in nursing school, but I didn't understand the, you know, the real method of action.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I go in, and I gave it, and he's standing right there and left the room, talked for a minute, and come back in, and she's changed position now. She hadn't changed position. Check it out. A few minutes later, she's sitting up. Within an hour, she's down in the day room. You hit the unpause button. You know, it's, it's really weird for those patients how that happens. It's, yeah. it's so many different conditions that lead to that particular state, but that's the deepest, hardest one I've seen to date still, and that was some time ago, but she was just frozen.
1: Touching on what you just said, uh, guess the percentage of people in the United States uh, that have any mental illness. Any mental illness? Any mental Diagnosed illness. or undiagnosed? Diagnosed. Ooh. that that experience catatonia. That experience catatonia? Yeah. What percentage of
0: all mental illness? <sighs> okay. So how many people in the country have... Do you have a marker here for how many people in the country have mental illness? I don't illness?
1: remember the number of the study
0: because it was about 4 a.m. when I looked this I'm going to say probably upwards of around 20% experience. 10. 10? 10%.
1: But I, I mean, you're on the, you're on the right track cause it's higher than you think. Yeah.
0: Cause 20, 10 high, high. I still have an appreciation for people that are bopping around that probably should be taking something that aren't. Right. And it's fine. They're still functional, but they'd be better off if they were.
1: Percentage of, uh, people that are experiencing catatonia that have a positive diagnosis of bipolar disorder, type one, 38%. 38? Yeah. I know. Wow. I know. I'm glad you're sitting down when you hear that. He'd be falling.
0: When I just want to hear positive catatonia, I just want to see that symptom set that I described earlier where we're just frozen. Which is my next point. Yeah. The ahead.
1: symptom set itself. All right. So what does it look like? You're not responding to your environment. You're not speaking. You've got strange body position holding that you're doing. Uh, you're resisting people that try and adjust your body for you. Yes yeah uh you've or you've got these repetitive, meaningless movements like the clapping and the flapping. We've seen plenty of claps and flaps uh, uh you're or you're mimicking someone else's speech and movements. Have you seen that one? Not I've never that. personally seen that one
0: Well you know okay, so maybe I have, and I've seen people that are are um do not speak that are silent, no matter what, that will follow you around and mimic your behavior. That's probably a variation. It could be a variation. Yeah. I've, I've actually encountered that several times. So there's th- they,
1: they classify it as three types of catatonia. There is a kinetic, which is the most common, which is the one we, that we see when we hear the word catatonic. We think about somebody who's staring and frozen in place, in the bed, you know, not responding to you.
0: Yes, that's what I really define as pure catatonia.
1: And then a little less common, but still common, is the excited catatonia which sounds exciting, but it's not exciting. <laughs> uh, it's pointless, impulsive, random body movements. The, the, the clapping and flapping that okay. we were talking about. Yep, yeah, I've seen that. that kind of thing. Or, or like throwing themselves in the floor or, or falling down. Not like the one guy that I know that we're both thinking about right now who no. accidentally gave himself rabdo because he didn't want to go home. Yeah, that's a whole other story. We'll tell that story later. I think that probably was Catatonia, though, but that... It was, there was a lot going on. That there. was a weird case. There was a lot to unpack from that case. Yeah. Might as well just burn the whole suitcase. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still, I thought about him the other day. Oh my and God. That behavior. that was really, I mean, so I, I haven't seen another patient like him since. Nope. And he's definitely stands out and it was all authentic. I mean, no, no bull there. Was, you ever been on a one-to-one to play catcher's mitt? Literally. Yeah. I mean, we did that and it was so funny when you'd kind of back off, um, He he would kind of back
1: off. You know, like he would repress that sort of throwing himself around thing, which gives you this gray area of like, is this voluntary? Is this involuntary? I know. What's
0: going on here? So listen, for you people out there, they're wondering, let me just tell you. This guy would stand in the hallway, raise his arms out like a cross and fall. And he would fall like 100% speed if you tried to catch him. Yep. If you didn't try to catch him, he would do this weird feigning thing. Like he was almost going to fall, but then he wouldn't. Then catch himself. So then it created this weird, like, well, is he or is he not? Is this behavioral or is it not? And then we tried to not catch him a couple of times, and he just banged to the floor hard. Yeah, and you're like, God oh, damn. Damn it. Yeah.
1: Like, I let I my sh- one-to-one get a contusion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. This guy ended up going to the hospital, and his creatinine kinase was like, Twenty thousand yeah. <laughs> range is like twelve hundred is ridiculous. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe how high it was. And they the doctors, pu- they punted him back to us. They got him more or less stable. Well, we took that patient back at I think forty four hundred, but he was making such a decline. Yeah, they figured that you know he was going to resolve in a couple of days, and he was still so catatonic. So, the third type of catatonia is called
1: malignant. And it's when the first two are untreated, the first two, akinetic and excited, uh, and they become uh, a health problem, Uh, high blood pressure, low blood pressure, or like, especially with the ones that are just laying still, you get blood clots, you get dehydration, you get
0: starvation, you get kidney failure. I see that that particular symptom set where they will go for days without eating or drinking and you end up sending them out. You know, and they get um you know, whatever that is, the the two liters of fluids and some. I think type it's of
1: just nutrition. a seven up. They just hook the seven up <laughs>
0: and they pour it into your pick line. <laughs> yeah. it's like here's some crushed up lucky charms. Yeah. Eat but, up buddy. you know, whatever that thing is. But in, in you know they're probably it is a bolus bag, yeah. Yeah. But You know, depending upon their nutritional status, you'll see that in different labs, they'll pull labs and like albumin is one for protein deficiency. So they'll figure out exactly how starving these people are, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from just an overall, you know, caloric deficiency. We know that it's the rule of fours. So you can go what? Four minutes without air, four days without water and four day four weeks without food. Right. It's the rule of fours. I'm going to try and do all four right now. Don't. It's dangerous. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, those guys, you can't go without fluids. And when you begin to get deficient, your body starts to do some rather mean things to you. You know, your blood pressure tanks, your uh, your uh, pulse goes way up, and you become very symptomatic of true dehydration, which can be dangerous.
1: You know, it makes me think of a patient that we had, uh, you and I together had, that uh, I think he had pretty severe excited catatonia, and we were starting to worry that, you know, how long can he go without drinking uh, before his vitals crash. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is going to immediately help you remember who he is. It was a setup. It was a setup. It was a setup. It was a setup. <laughs> yeah. Remember him with I, his, his cracked lips looking like the yes. Death Valley, California? It was a setup, though. In it was end. a setup. It well, we all was. Discovered. Yeah. I want to say his shorts are still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That poor
0: guy. God, yeah. I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, he was super naked. Yeah. He oh, was naked a lot. 70%. Yeah,
1: there was. I had some naked holds with him. He was yeah. just, you know, you, you hang on for dear life, and you hope to God you don't get anything in your eyes or in your mouth. <laughs> uh, so what is the number one treatment for catatonia? You nailed it.
0: Ativan. Ativan, baby. Get in the van. It is. We have puppies inside.
1: It is effective. Seventy percent of of uh, catatonic cases. Yeah, all, of any of the three, any of the three types, it's seventy percent effective. And it's
0: it's fast onset too. Yeah. It's like remarkable when it happens.
1: It, it, it's because Ativan, uh ups the GABA reception uh, in the uh, what do I have here? The right lateral orbital, frontal and posterior parietal lobes of the brain, and all that that motor and affective. It
0: kicks it full of right gear. There. It's like yeah. you literally, like you just replaced the clutch in your brain. Yeah. Like you were not making any drive contact. Uh, contact. When you put that in there, mm-hmm. all of a sudden those things come back together. You have movement and it happens fast. Because
1: that GABA stuff, in terms of movement, it's right there. It's right it's there. It's all right It's there. ready to fire. It's just not making contact. It, and you know what that does? Is that it tanks the dopamine level in the basal ganglia. Not again again it tanks it again Fucking, just like we talked about it last week it's like it, the villain and a batman i movie. know like ah oh, it's the riddler again the <laughs> dopamine level falls off damn it and you may have accidentally created yourself another psychotic person
0: yeah but we can manage that oh so yeah we, we know how to fix that at least they're hungry
1: now Right. at least they're eating okay we can put, we put can your fix pants it. on sir yeah yeah, no get more crackers for you.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, uh, what's the mechanism here of catatonia? Well, like, what's the pathophysiology? It's, you know, what it is. It's glutamate hyperactivity. Interesting. Yeah. So it, it's like um, the glutamate hyperactivity is going to create excess dopamine.
0: Just like we talked to. I think we visited that last week. Time is a flat circle, Jody. you too much back and not enough front dopamine. And all of a sudden, I mean, really, you need your situation. But we see it much more commonly, Mm -hmm. excess back. Yeah. um, You just got to get the right oil levels everywhere else. And there needs to be a balance, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: And and I think my favorite uh, anecdote when I'm I'm ending, going over my four pages of notes there, um, I, I had a patient. Uh, uh I've had lots of catatonic patients. But this one in particular, he was not quite at the uh what did we call it? The akinetic phase, but he was right there at the line. He was he was almost he was slipping in. We got an APOW on him. Well family got an APOW on him uh right there before he slipped in. So he he was hyper religious. Uh he he had a beard like the best of them. This thing was magnificent, and he was bald on top. Was it biker level or wizard level? He was. It was very Gandalfian. A wizard, yeah. Yeah, it was a wizard's okay. beard, and but he was totally bald up top and super flaky. They like he really needed that stuff that you put on tattoos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some moisturizer. Yeah, yeah. He he needed some work done, but you know we had bigger fish to fry. Uh, he had stopped eating. Uh, 14 days prior. Yeah. Nice. And he had been standing in place for 28 days. Oh, I remember this guy. You remember? Yeah. So we had this clot stuff going on. He'd been yeah. standing in place and quote unquote praying. That was a weird case. Yeah. He'd been praying for 28 days. Yeah. Not eating. And then I think he hadn't drank any water
0: in like two days. I remember the first time I saw him take a tray and I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to eat. Yeah, it so, was. So it was, here,
1: were you there when we broke it? Yeah, I okay. was there that shift. So what happened is that we, we had this guy standing in place in the hallway. We'd had him. He, he hadn't been drinking any water. And it was uh, Joni and this other nurse that we worked with. That she's, just, she's just one of the best. Her name is Joni. And if you're listening, I love you to pieces. Uh, she called the doctor because she said, no, we're, we got we to do something about this he's going to have himself a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah. We got to do something. I mean, his labs were shit. Gross. Easy lab draw though. (laughs) Just (laughs) walk up to it. He just
0: didn't even mind at all. Yeah.
1: No, I don't even know if he knew you were there. So he's still standing in place and Joni calls a doctor and the doctor of course is like, okay, we've got criteria for emergency medication. He's going to starve himself to death. This is slow motion suicide. Yeah. He's going to die of dehydration in four days. This is slow motion self harm. Here's the order two of Vada let's do it and we walk up to him and he kind of like makes eyes at us but you know he's pretty locked up and he's just still just standing still oh his feet they look like purple footballs oh those feet yeah they were bad yeah and she goes "All right, here we go buddy and she fakes the first motion to do the injection just to make sure are you gonna swing on me are you faking and he doesn't even flinch she's like okay all clear you know uh, left deltoid you know, just jams it, buries the needle, and she pulls the needle out, and she goes, I'm going to go throw this in sharps. I'll be right back. So, she turns her back and starts to work to sh- work her way up to the nurse station to throw the needle off in the sharps container, and he lets out a long sigh. I'm standing with him. I've, I'm holding his hand, and he falls to his knees, and then he just sort of drifts forward, and I put my arms out, And he lays into my arms and he lays into the floor and starts snoring. That was just. And I went, I went, Joni, you (laughs) fucking killed him.
0: (laughs) Dude, that guy. I still remember that case so. Because he was in the end. It was less than a minute. I, oh, I know, but in the end, remember the last few days with him.
1: Yeah, he was great. He was great. Yeah, he was like, oh, let me. I want to get a picture of my kids so I can show you what my kids look right. like. Right. Oh,
0: here's their names and and it's. I, I promise you, this is a guy that on the streets was treated poorly, that was written off by, a hundred percent of anybody that came into contact because he was absolutely lost. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and we're not talking about he's confusing or troublesome. We're talking about. No, he's not going to respond to you. He's not going to say anything. He's he was there yesterday in the same spot, yeah, doing the same thing. He was he ended up this really religious weird stuff too. Yeah, it
1: was like it was like this weird jumping back and forth between like yeah, it was it was like this Amish business, but it's yeah. like if Amish folks were also from the nation of Islam.
0: It was, was, I don't know. I
1: think he made up his own religion and I I was convinced to be a follower.
0: He, he, (laughs) he had my support. Whatever that was though, but you're hundred percent right. That out just, and it worked so fast and changed the, the nature of this guy's life. You
1: know what we did is that uh, once he started snoring, you know, he's respirating fine. We got a set of vitals on him. We slid a pillow underneath his head right there in the hallway. And, and my nurse goes, Well we can't pick up a patient and carry them to bed. Here's where he's gonna sleep. And he slept there all night and woke up the next morning and ate turkey bacon. Yeah, I saw him do
0: it. Do you guys have Cheerios? Like he's
1: speaking? He you speak? (laughs) Yeah. I swear to God, it's just like reaching in there and hitting the reset button when you give Adivan to a catatonic patient. Yeah, it was a hard reset. It's a hard reset. <laughs> yeah. He powered down, powered right back up, and everything's looking like fine. Time, time for, for Lucky software, Charms.
0: Apparently, the software works. Yeah.
1: You guys got biscuits and gravy? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't eaten in a while. In
0: some time, sir. My feet hurt. Yeah, I bet they do. Take yeah. a look at those things. His dogs were barking. That is such a neat case. I'm glad I'd almost <laughs> forgotten about that guy. And if you hadn't brought him up, I'd. I, there's just so many patients dude I I mean, you can't keep track of it. but that anymore. really was a very special case I'm At, glad you brought that up
1: especially with like the catatonic experience because that was super victorious because like this person's gonna die had he stayed out in the street doing
0: that yeah, he was like, just gonna fall over I and die like, what 40 cents worth of medication yeah I mean, come on it's just ridiculous
1: just takes two of Ativan give him those benzos go night night boom and then boom turkey bacon <laughs> turkey bacon <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just, and I know we got a little off the the course here of talking about schizophrenia, and, and I'm, we're not going to do a part three. We'll just come back and visit. This is some time, but it just goes to show you how very, very broad this entire course of material is. It's just, we could go on. We could make a thousand episodes. And, There's a lot going on. Yeah, we'd still be like, oh, you haven't covered this, and oh, what about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, we forgot about the overlap of hyper, hyper-religiosity and schizophrenia and the adherence thereof and so much oh yeah or or people with dissociative identity disorder who have alters that are schizophrenic and they aren't schizophrenic and
0: (laughs) yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot of business (laughs) it gets complicated yeah so again another fun episode of assault precautions and looks like um isaac did all the research this week and and really made it to where it was super enjoyable and you know, again, there's so much more that we could uncover, and I think we're going to have schizophrenia break. And I did want to ask for one quote, Isaac, from the book this week because it's it's been really popular, and a lot of people are like, "Oh my God, I have to see are this." They, book. Okay,
1: I don't, I, I didn't write one down, but I'm just going to give me just a second to come up with one for. Okay, got it. Got uh, it. Uh, this patient, uh, his IQ made him present as though he were about three or okay. four, and. In his distortions and his stuff going on, he thought that the word hit was an absolute synonym for the word fuck. Okay. And he was angry with me because it wasn't time to go to the gym. It was time to go back to the unit and get medicine before we go to the gym. And he was mad, as any three-year-old would be because, you know, they can't (laughs) delay gratification. It's tough. I mean, he was about seven or so. But he looks down and he's telling me all the things he's going to hit me with. But he's not using the word hit. And he, oh. I hate this child looks me square in the eye and goes, I'm going to fuck you with that pecan. Oh. Whoa. Was it a hard shell? Are you going to shell it first? <laughs> that's my question. <laughs> yeah. I've never, never in my life have I been threatened to be fucked with a pecan, but, you know, there we stood out there on the sports court, Pretty basketball normal. in hand.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I'm like,
1: all right, buddy. That's so Christmassy.
0: That that could be a a greeting card. Yeah.
1: I'm going to fuck you with a pecan. Season's greetings. Season's greetings. Time to go back to the unit and get your clonidine.
0: (laughs) Well, again, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Assault Percussions. Um, And we'll end this episode the way we end all episodes. If you're out there and you're having a difficult time with mental health or you're getting to a position where you may be... Considering a bad decision, I want you to reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. These guys will listen to every word that you have to say. They'll pick up in the first ring. The number is 1-800-273-8255. And people that are going through whatever it that is you're going through, you're their people. They'll listen to you, and they'll find you some help. No matter what that looks like, give them a call. Oh, and,
1: and I, I had a patient not long ago who said that uh, they had made a call to the suicide hotline and yeah. and they talked to him and you know a couple of hours the, this this person at the suicide hotline yeah, talked to great. him and then you know they decided that it was the right thing to do that they needed to call the police and you Perfect. know they got, they went in they got treatment for a couple of weeks. This uh, person that spoke to them at the suicide hotline then made contact again 30 days later just called the patient back out of the blue i love that hey how are you doing i remember it first name basis just like i remember you were telling me this was going on how did the last 30 days go yeah you know did you get did you get to go to on the inside did you get some help how, i just want to follow up with you i just thought that was just so damn beautiful
0: that organization is just full of people that do it because they mean it and because they want it and because their every phone call is is super important and they don't discount anything it's what they do, and they're passionate about it. And I promise you that if you're encountering any feelings like that or you don't know where else to turn, please call them. And again, that number is 1-800-273-8255.
1: And until we meet again, have some Pantera.